Support for Decoder comes from NetSuite. Here are some numbers all business owners should know for 2024. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com decoder. That's netsuite.com decoder to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com decoder. Support for this episode comes from The Current Report. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux, so how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. If it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who's looking forward to living in a science fiction dystopia because at least Instagram probably won't work. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power, change, and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chairs are Barry Liga and Morgan Baden, the co-authors of a young adult novel that came out last year called The Hive. Based on an idea from Jennifer Beals, who's a friend of mine, and Tom Jacobson, The Hive is about mob justice, social media, and how one stray comment can turn an anonymous person into a national celebrity, which I think we know of all the time these days. Barry is previously the author of books like I Hunt Killers and Thanos, Titan Consumed, and Morgan is a best-selling ghostwriter and social media expert. Barry and Morgan, welcome to Recode Decode. Thanks for having us. So I'll put a little backstory here. I I did a podcast with Jennifer, who's on The L Word, um, and she's obviously famous for lots of stuff. But we were talking about a bunch of stuff, and then she told me about this thing. She had this idea that then became a book. And, I, you know, I don't do enough about young adults and how they're being affected by social media and things like that. And I wanted to bring you, Tina, to talk about this book and also sort of some trends around teens uh, because I think I don't talk about it nearly enough. I have two teens. Um, I think about it a lot, but I don't talk about it enough. So welcome in. So why don't we give the background of what how you this book came together? It was a, it was a very strange story. I was It's interesting that you mentioned the Thanos book because mm-hmm. I was deep into the Thanos book mm-hmm. when I got a call— uh, saying that uh, there was a publisher that was interested in having me write a book that Jennifer Beals had come up with. Right. Which so is she not came a, up with the idea. Yeah. This that, is how that, content is created these Yeah, days. yeah. It's not a call I get every right, day. Right, right. And I went, wait, Jennifer Beals? Like mm-hmm. the, like Jennifer? Right. And, um, and the problem was that since I was working so much on Thanos, I, I didn't really have the time mm-hmm. to, to work on this other book given the deadlines involved. And then uh, she happened to be in town, so she and I got together and had lunch, and we talked about the book, and— and, you know, I was really interested in the subject matter. But again, it was one of those things where I thought, I just don't have time mm-hmm. to write this book. And so much of it was social media. And I'm on social media. I'm conversant with them. But I'm not an expert. I would have to do a lot of research. And then I, I came home and I sat down on the sofa and I looked at the woman sitting next to me. And I mm-hmm. thought, wait, I live with a social media <laughs> expert and a, and a writer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't have time to write this whole book, but I have time to write 
half of it. Mm-hmm. So Morgan and I decided we would write it together, and uh, and that's and the rest was magic. It worked really well. So Morgan, tell me about it. So so you you had a background in writing, guest mm-hmm. post writing, and social media. Yep. So my career um, has been corporate communications, primarily the past twelve years. I I led and launched social media for Scholastic, so mm-hmm. a lot of the iconic children's brands. Mm-hmm. So I sort of live and breathe social media, but at the same time, I was also ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. So um, building up this whole sort of other career, and. Barry truly said, hey, here's a book. It's about technology, which he's super into. It's about social media, which I'm super into. It's YA, which is what we both write. Mm -hmm. We could do this together. And it it felt like the perfect fit. So talk about the YA market right now. This is the young adult market, which is what what age is? Teenagers? Sort of 12 and up, 14 and up. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, right around there. Right. And obviously the most famous one, Harry Potter and some others. Are Mm -hmm. they they not young adults? So Harry is a mix of middle grade and YA. Right. Um, But really, you know, the Hunger Games trilogy. Right. Twilight. Twilight book. Mm-hmm. John right. Green, Jason Reynolds. All right, so talk about the, the market in general for young adults. And then I, then I want to get into the social media because a lot of them are s- dystopian technology futures. It seems like quite mm-hmm. a, when I go to the bookshelves, look for my teens, they're, they're all about this topic yeah. or, or it's in this zone. Yeah, like any um, Divergent like any book, was another one. Yeah, there's there's sort of trends in what's hot in YA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. YA as a as a in age range didn't really blow up until Harry Potter and mm-hmm. until Twilight and then the Hunger Games and all those. Right now, you definitely see a lot of um, sort of romantic comedy when you mm-hmm. look at the Jenny Han to all the boys I've loved before. But also, there's this whole but that's uprising. all based on social media too, right? Isn't she talk about it or not? Or no, not handwritten letters? Yeah, but there's you know there's, yeah. there is social involved in all of them. Right. But um, but yeah, this this trend of I mean, dystopian was huge for a while, and now you see it go in waves. And I think it's back a lot more than it than it was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. just based on the the climate we live in. I mean, it's difficult to tell the difference sometimes between a dystopia and the present. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed saying for a while now that if you went back to, say, 1989 and described the present to somebody, they mm-hmm. would assume you were talking about a dystopian movie, right. um, g- given given the situation. And I think what we really liked about The Hive was that it is a dystopian, but it's not a hundred years in the future or a thousand years yeah, in the future. Yeah, it's not like people are going, gee, how did we get here? It's set, right. like, it's like f- five days from now. Yeah, <laughs> right. and right. that felt very compelling to us. Right. And, like, there was a lot we could do with that. Yeah. So when you write writing for YA, I want to get through YA first and then get to The Hive in the next section. Yeah. When you think about how are young people consuming Books now. You're both in this yeah. this, this mm-hmm. young adult area because ways they not, consume are different. They're reading paper. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's really funny. I think everybody assumed. Certainly, I mean, I, I've been doing this for about 15 years now. Everybody assumed that as ebooks took off, that's all kids would be reading because mm-hmm. they'd be reading them on their phones, their tablets, whatever. Um, and instead, they love to read books because mm-hmm. their whole lives are on screens. And when they want to read a book, they want to read a book and forget about the screens. Mm-hmm. The way you can tell if if a young adult book has adult crossover, if adults are reading it, mm-hmm. is if the ebook sales go up <laughs> because the oh, adults are reading okay. on the Kindle and iPad and things like that. But the kids are reading are reading the paper. And by the way, it's something like sixty percent of YA readers are actually adults. Mm-hmm. They're out of thirteen years and they're still reading right. it. Um, but with teens in particular too, they are very very much based on word of mouth. So if their friends right. are reading it, they're reading it. If right. they see it at their school book fair or at their school library. So it's a lot of, their touch points are their teachers, their school librarians, and most importantly, so their the friends. So the concept of a screen-addicted teen is there, but it's not necessarily in this genre. 
Right. Yeah, they're, like not, the readers, they're not reading The readers are, are still picking up a, a paperback or a hardcover. But yeah. what do you have to do in terms of writing for them? What is the—because what is, what is the, this is a very sophisticated, more ever more sophisticated. Now, I'm trying to think of, like, yeah, I would read A Wrinkle in Time, which is also mm-hmm. a technical novel. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. think, there's a lot of oh, tech a lot in, of in there. A lot of science in there. A lot of science and physics and everything else. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, Island of the Blue Dolphins. Like, it was. it's just a very different—when I pick up any young adult book, it's got a lot of— modernity to it that mm-hmm. didn't did exist before. It's definitely become more sophisticated mm-hmm. as it's grown as a market. Right. Uh, you know, when I'm old enough that when I was a kid, there were not a lot of books written for teenagers. And the ones that were written for teenagers, frankly, were not all that great mm-hmm. because the assumption was, well, they're not really people yet, so we don't have to write good books for them. Mm-hmm. So I read a lot of adult books. And now I think it's strange to see teenagers read adult books because the young adult books have become so good and so sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, you really, you know, you're asking what do you have to do to write for yeah. this audience? You mm-hmm. have to stay in touch with your teen side. Right. You know, it can be very easy as an adult, especially as parents, I think, mm-hmm. to want to proselytize or, uh, you know, talk down to them or, or moralize in some fashion. And that mm-hmm. is just the death knell for a young adult novel. You cannot do that. Mm-hmm. They're too smart. They're too aware for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to be honest. You just have to go into it honestly and, and channel that teen self of yours. You're still writing about life and about mm-hmm. issues, but you're doing it from your teen perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, what we say about YA is that it just so happens that the characters are teenagers. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you're not changing the language. We're not dumbing it down. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, we're not moralizing. Yeah. And because teens can see right through that, right? Mm-hmm. So they just want a good story. So the a concept that they're twitchier than before is not so from your perspective. I don't think so. I mean, you know, there are some really long, dense mm-hmm. young adult novels out mm-hmm. there. There are series that go on, you know, for, for six or seven books mm-hmm. and these kids stick with them. I don't think there's a, that the Again, if it's not on a screen, I don't think the twitch reflex is mm-hmm. there necessarily. Mm-hmm. Also, if you look at the rise of YA fantasy, there mm-hmm. are some Talk amazing short. Sure, when I look at the bestseller lists, half of them are like deeply fantasy rooted. Such as, give me um, uh, a court of mist and thorns. Um, uh, Lee Bardugo's books, yeah, the, the Grishaverse, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, which is a uh, TV six of social crows. Now. Yeah. yeah, so there's just so many that, and I'm not a huge fantasy reader myself, so I always find myself intrigued by them because teens love fantasy right now. And and, and what would be a plot like that? That would be a— Oh, like, you know, something set in a, a totally different medieval world. Medieval time. Or, mm-hmm, witches, wizards, um, fairies, sirens, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, a, I think there's a new trend of pirate books coming out soon, which is really intriguing. What? Really? Mm-hmm. I love pirates. Okay. That's <laughs> Who doesn't? Cool. Who doesn't? So, that, that, so that they follow a trend and stuff like that. But the, the numbers are going up like crazy in terms of, of sales, correct? They, they were for a long time. They were. And the other thing that was happening was for a while there, adult sales were dropping pretty I don't want to say precipitously, but but dramatically, right. Right. adult sales were dropping, and YA sales stayed the same, mm-hmm. and and that was which sort looks of, like up in this which, modern exactly which looks like up when you right. you know uh, when when you compare the the graphs, and uh, and as a result, suddenly a lot of people who had you know in the industry who had been looking at YA and going, yeah, whatever, do what you want over there. We don't care. Those are kids' mm-hmm. books. Suddenly they went, wait, 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 Th- those are making money. Right, right. <laughs> and we're not making money over here. What are you doing over there? Right. And so talk about how you got so, – so Jennifer had this idea. You yeah. go in and decide to write this. Yeah. So talk to me how you approach it. In the next section, we're talking about the book itself, sure. the plot itself. I mean, Jennifer and Tom had come up with – they'd written a – I can't remember – 10, 12-page, you know, in Hollywood, you'd call it a treatment. A treatment, it was, right. It was a treatment. So it could have been a show, it right? Been yeah. show. It's going to be, it presumably. It could have been a show. It been a movie, but they felt like it needed, you know, I said one of the first things I said to Jennifer when we sat down was, 
why does this need to be a book? You're, mm-hmm. you're Hollywood. You're, you're from planet Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why aren't you making this a movie or TV show? Mm-hmm. And she felt that it needed the interiority of a mm-hmm. novel. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, we sat down with the treatment between the two of us, and we sort of went, okay, we like this. We don't like this. This is problematic. This wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. This is really cool on a movie screen but doesn't work on the printed page. Mm-hmm. And we went through, and then we had a conference call with Tom and Jennifer where we basically said, Mm-hmm. This is what we want to change. This is what mm-hmm. we need to change. Mm-hmm. And if you're okay with that, we'll proceed. And if you're not, then no harm, no well, foul. And it's funny because the synopsis that they wrote, because they're Hollywood people, read like a movie. Mm-hmm. It was very fast-paced, very action-oriented. And our job then was to take a look at it and think, how do we convert this into a narrative? How is that different now from your perspective? <laughs> <laughs> there are things you can do in 10 seconds on a movie screen that take— 20, 30 pages in a novel. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, if if you want to get across that your character is an outcast who mm-hmm. is grieving a dead parent, you can show, you know, that your character walk into school and be totally isolated from everybody and look down at her phone at a picture of her father mm-hmm. and sigh heavily and then walk off alone mm-hmm. and everybody gets it instantly. Mm-hmm. In a book, you need to build that. Mm-hmm. You need to make, you, because you're in her head and you need right. to make people feel like, oh, we're in her head. This is what it feels like. Right. Um, there are, you know, film does certain things in certain ways. Books mm-hmm. do certain things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was one of, you know, they mm-hmm. were like, oh, Cassie is grieving and an outcast. Then this happened. And it's like, <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. We have to get to that first. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're doing that and you want to sort of, you know, I, I don't want to belabor this point, but it is an interesting time when people do think in movies now and they do think in TikTok and Instagram and things like that. We'll get to that in the very later part. But is it just the same techniques that you use when I was reading books 109 years ago, by the way? <laughs> I was reading them 100 years ago, okay, so it's all right, roughly okay, the all right, same. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of in, in terms of the actual writing itself, you know, mm-hmm. I've ghostwritten um, some best-selling YA novels, and the process is the same, you right? You ghostwrite YA novels? I did, yes. Wow. So now I'm doing my own okay, stuff, but, right. but quite a story. But the process is the same, right? So you have to sit down, you have to get into these characters' heads. Mm-hmm. I think it was super cool in this instance because— it is such a fast-paced, action-oriented story, mm-hmm. which is not where not where I come from. It's not mm-hmm. my super strength, mm-hmm. um, but it is partly Barry. So it was this neat way of writing something that I think I wouldn't normally have written. You wouldn't normally have written mm-hmm. because of the social aspect. But the the process is the same. Now, Barry, these book icon killers and Thanos. These are what area did you have? Were you in? Um, the Icon Killers trilogy was YA. It was a mm-hmm. young adult series, a 17-year-old right. kid whose father is the world's most notorious serial killer. Uh-huh. I, uh, you know, I, I, I wrote that, and I, I like to say that I write books about teenagers, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily write them for teenagers. I'm not right. thinking, oh, is a teenager going to think about this or enjoy mm-hmm. this? I just— I write about teenagers, and teenagers like them, and that's mm-hmm. great, and I'm very happy about it. Mm-hmm. Thanos was, you know, Marvel Studios right. wanted—I uh, guess they realized they didn't have time in the Avengers movies to show the origin of Thanos. Right. So they decided to do it as a book. I right. was approached. I was asked, would you like to, you know, right. you get to invent the origin of Thanos. And I was like, okay, right. great. I'll do right. it. And that was right. a lot of fun. What, where did he come from? <laughs> I'm going to read it. Yeah, no, read it. it, it, it it's He's a crazy book. He's a very book. interesting character. Yeah, and, and, you know, people kept saying to me, how do you make him likable? How do right. you make him sympathetic? Oh, he's totally likable. And, and I, I said, that's not my mission. My mission right. is for you to understand him. Oh, I don't care if you like him or not. completely evil. No, yeah. you get yeah. his—I yeah. do. So, I was like, okay, you're I, point I, I, taken. I wanted, yeah. it to, I wanted the book—I wanted by the time you get to the end of the book, you would go, oh— I get it. Right, right. <laughs> I understand why you would come to that conclusion. Right. Half the universe needs to die, and I'm the guy to do it. Right, <laughs> exactly. All that's, right. that's where I wanted to go. Uh, on that note, we're here with Barry Liga and Morgan Baden, their co-authors of The Hive. We're going to take a quick break, bow, and when we get back, we're going to talk about The Hive itself. 
Support for Decoder comes from Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that you can use to build a website and help people find your ventures. Whether you're seeking a location for your podcast, teaching language courses, or selling handcrafted ceramics, Squarespace has all the tools you need to create a home on the web. You can create a polished, professional place that connects people with whatever it is you're excited about. Squarespace also supports all forms of connecting with those people, whether you're selling products online or in person, or offering memberships. You can make your website look exactly how you want it. They even have the tools to help you create a custom logo. And they make it easy to create a place for people to schedule an appointment with you, browse your services, or learn more about why you do what you do. Visit squarespace.com decoder for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code decoder to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for Decoder comes from Green Chef. If you could make a single change in your life that made you feel better and got you performing at your highest level, you'd do it, right? That's what makes Green Chef such a no-brainer. The meal kits offer a ton of delicious options that make it easy to eat cleaner and feel better without spending hours in the kitchen. They'll deliver everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, tasty meals right to your doorstep with more than 80 meal options available every single week. Green Chef's menu is packed with farm-fresh ingredients you might not find elsewhere, like figs, artichokes, and sustainably sourced seafood. Plus, their menu now includes a ton of science-backed gut and brain health recipes, which were developed with dietitians to boost energy and immunity while improving digestion. Go to greenchef.com slash 60decoder and use code 60decoder to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60decoder and use code 60decoder to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. We're here with Barry Liga and Morgan Baden. They're the co-authors of The Hive. Really interesting way uh, it came to being. It was based on an idea from the actor Jennifer Beals and Tom Jacobson. The Hive is about mob justice, social media, and how one straight comment can turn an anonymous person into a national celebrity. Let's talk about the plot. So this is the plot they brought to you. And I know Jennifer, I introduced Jennifer to Twitter. Uh, um, I was. I kept saying, this is going to be big. And she was like, oh, that's ridiculous. And I was like, <laughs> no, people are going to make comments and everything else. So we, we, she and I have been talking about social media, and she's obviously concerned with the implications. She has a kid herself. Mm-hmm. That's not why, but she's she's been very attuned to this thing. Talk a little bit about the plot. Why don't we talk about where, how you decided to go about this? Sure. So the plot centers around a teenager named Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, right in the beginning of the book, you learn that she's grieving the death of her father, and her father was this sort of huge figure in her life and in general, the world. Um, mm-hmm. He was a famous hacker. Mm-hmm. And so she really built him up in her head and idolized him, and so she's grieving very deeply. Mm-hmm. As a result of his death, she and her mom have to move towns, cities, new schools, and Cassie's really struggling with that. So enter. Uh, she's trying to make friends, as as anyone would, and she ends up making a joke online, mm-hmm. a bad joke, a dumb joke. And the thing is, because this is set five minutes into the future, the online world is a little bit different. So there's this thing called the hive, which the idea is that everything you do in the real world and online has real-world consequences. So Mm -hmm. if you make a dumb joke on Twitter, you can be punished in the real world for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are different levels to what you can do. So, uh, And it's called the hive stands for— Go ahead. Juristic Internet Vetting Engine, okay. which was not yes. in the original proposal. I just sat down and I, I was like, this should stand for something. And I just came Do you know up what Yahoo that. stands for? Yet another hierarchical <laughs> order. Something. 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 Yeah. Or, uh, Oracle. Oracle. I did not know. Yeah. 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 It could be heuristic. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, so in the world of this book, 
social media is mandatory. The government has mandated its use. Uh-huh. Um, and so everyone has to be on it. Correct. Yeah, like once you turn 13, your parents fill out your uh, social media service form, it, uh-huh. I, which I was based on you know, the selective service form that I had to fill sure. out when I was 18. Right. Yeah, anyway. And the idea is they've created a platform called Blink, mm-hmm. B-L-I-N-Q, mm-hmm. which sort of compiles all of the other already existing social accounts so that all of your stuff is in one feed and in mm-hmm. one place. So your activity online, other people can rate it. They mm-hmm. can condemn it. They can like it. Mm-hmm. If you hit too many condemns, that's when the system kicks into place and something you can get a, a face of real-world punishment. Mm-hmm. So, and that happens. And that happens. Cassie makes a joke. She's, she's trying to fit in. Everybody's trying to come up with jokes about, about something that's going on in the world. She makes a joke. People laugh at it. They, they retweet it or re-blink it. And then it goes viral. Mm-hmm. And she wakes up in the middle of the night to find that she's been, you know, pushed up to the highest possible level of punishment. Mm-hmm. And she has to go on the run. And what, because of the, cause because it's, it's because about the president. So many people condemned. Yeah, she makes a joke about the president's uh, uh, grandchild, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so she has to go on the run because basically everybody's coming after her. And what is coming after? Like actual, like actual literal hive mobs. Yeah. Actual yes. mobs of people mm-hmm. uh, will will come after her. You know, we, we established that there's there's these different levels. At certain levels, you know, people might be allowed to throw garbage at you when you walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Okay, they get and they have like a week to do that, maybe. Right. And then there's other levels that are worse and worse. And she hits level five, which is the worst where people have like I think a year mm-hmm. to actually hunt her down and basically they can beat her they can you know I mean like actual physical violence upon mm-hmm. her um and then there's some twists and things get even worse than that, if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cassie finds a group of underground kids like her who have right. sort of opted out of the hive and are trying to live underground, which is really above ground, um, <laughs> in, a, in an old abandoned building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order to avoid that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how long—this is really fascinating because people do get beat up online mm-hmm. and condemned yeah. and canceled. Yeah. So yep. talk, is this from the cancel culture or what do you— well, it's funny because Jennifer and Tom started working on this book in 2015. Right, which so, is yeah. amazing. It I, is. When she told yeah. me this plot, I was like, mm-hmm. this sounds like today, yeah. Yeah. essentially. And the, the strange thing that happened is we were working on it. Again, we wanted it to feel very immediate. We wanted right. it to feel like something that could happen tomorrow mm-hmm. or next week, not something that would be 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem that we had when we were working on it is we would say, oh, okay, let's say this. And we're like, yeah, oh, that, that's crazy. And literally a week later, it would happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at one point when we were talking about, oh, are people going to think it's it's outlandish that the government would mandate social media behavior, that sort of thing. And literally, like two days later, there was a tweet from Trump saying, maybe the government should be in charge of social media. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, we write it here and it happens mm-hmm. out there in the real you world. You know when he says things, it does doesn't always happen. Yeah. Well, I'm aware, I'm aware of that, but I'm just saying, like, it was— a glancing was, yeah. relationship with yeah. the truth. Yeah. But, it, it was but, like, the goalposts kept was, moving. Yeah, the, goal, yeah. The, the Overton window was moving, let's put yeah. it that way, right. in terms of what people were talking about. Right. Um, and, and we realized that as outlandish as some of the things we were assuming were, they were not too outlandish for reality. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about this, of, of putting in this idea, and real life sort of happens— what do you do? What is the what is the concept? But you were trying to get out here is that things gone too far on mm-hmm. social media? This yeah. concept, yeah, that this idea that we've reached a, maybe we've reached a breaking point, and it's mm-hmm. time to sort of reassess the value of social media in our lives and the value of technology in these platforms. And are we at this point where um, it's sort of a race to the bottom? Yeah. Um, and in Cassie's world, uh, one of the things I liked the most about Cassie was that in the beginning, she is all in for mm-hmm. the hive. She supports it. Mm-hmm. She participates in these mobs. Um, the opening scene is her attending one of these mobs. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it, it changes very quickly and she starts to see the, the problems there. 
Well, why would people like the mobs? What, what you- I mean, I think they would like it for the same reason they like the the digital mobs now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's a very seductive, attractive thing to feel like you can identify the other mm-hmm. and you can beat up on the other without consequence to you because you have a mob at your back. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what happens now online. You see that a lot. And I think, you know, it, it's only one step away from saying, all right, let's start doing that in real life. And when it's sort of a sanctioned thing, when it's like, you can't just do it on your own. You have to wait till the condemns reach a certain threshold, but then you're allowed to go do it. I think that's an enormous attraction. I think right now, you know, in our current political season, if you were to say, all right, if this person's tweet gets a certain number, you know, if their ratio is bad enough on mm-hmm. their on their tweet, you can actually go to the next rally and beat the crap out of them. I right. think a lot of people would be like, that sounds really good. I, I would, would really we'll like to do that. We'll talk about that because right now a lot of attention Bernie Sanders is getting yeah. because mm-hmm. of Bernie Brothers. Bernie according, Bros, yeah. Bernie Brothers, according to Bernard oh, wow. Brothers, according to Joe Biden, <laughs> Joseph Biden. Um, talk about that phenomena because it's not just, and we can go to the right and left, but both sides have that. Yeah. that well, well, right, it started on the right sure. for sure. Talk about that idea of cancel, not just cancel culture, but really there's cancel culture and then there's real aggressive culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the idea that every single thing that you say, let's use Twitter as the example Mm -hmm. because that's where it mostly happens. This this blinks is like a Twitter. Yeah. It it consolidates everything across Mm -hmm. the platforms, but Mm -hmm. it's probably most similar to Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this idea that you have to be 100% perfect on your social profile Mm -hmm. um, or face the consequences Mm -hmm. That happens in real life, and it happens in the book, too. And in real life, it's really, you know, as a, I'm someone who participates in, we both tweet a lot, mm-hmm. um, although less so now than we used to. But it's very easy to get caught up in the heightened sort of emotions on Twitter, um, especially if you feel a certain way about a political candidate, let's mm-hmm. say. So I've been grieving for the past few days over my candidate leaving the race. Mm-hmm. And it Elizabeth. Is, yep. And it yeah. is really easy to get swept up in that energy and mm-hmm. just start firing off tweets. Mm-hmm. And then later to be like, oh, maybe that, you know, if you're a random person reading my Twitter feed, right. three days later, you don't feel that same energy. You don't understand the context because mm-hmm. there's too many conversations happening. And the meaning gets lost. Sure. Uh-huh. And and changed and morphed. Um, so that's really easy to do. And it's one of the scariest things about social media, I think. You know, Twitter's been talking about this option to, um, to sort of self-destruct tweets after a mm-hmm. certain amount of time. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look at what I tweeted in 2009, mm-hmm. you know? And because maybe I said something weird that— if it was brought up now, would would cancel me. Right. Well, how do you look at the, the environment now? I mean, I, I've always been a cynic about mm-hmm. this stuff. I mean, I recognize its utility, but I, I have a, uh, sh- shall we say, a jaundiced view of humanity. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just figure, you know, uh, if there's a way to make this great thing horrible, we will find it mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and do it. You know, while we were working on the book, or shortly after we finished the book, I guess, uh, The Verge broke some of the stories about the, the content moderators on Facebook. Yes, that's Casey Newton. Yep, mm-hmm. Casey He's Newton's also story. my tenant, in case you're interested. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> he lives uh, in my cottage. And, and I read that that story, and I went, yeah, I'm done with Facebook. Yeah. I, and, I, and I deleted my account. That uh, was like, that just, was a breaking point yeah, kind I, of story. I couldn't, yeah. I just couldn't participate anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, I, I think one of the purposes of fiction in general, and in particular science mm-hmm. fiction, which this is nominally science fiction, is to say, here's the world today, mm-hmm. and here's where it could go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do that to say, look how wonderful it could be, and mm-hmm. give give us something to aspire towards and something to, to move towards. And in other cases, like in the case of The Hive, you say, this is where we're headed if we don't course mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying we will go exactly to this place, but again, I don't have a lot of trouble imagining a very near future 
America where it is okay to to punish people, not just cancel them, but to act, cause actual harm, whether it's financial harm or, or actual physical harm, to people based on things that they say digitally. Are, are some of them, though, deserve? See, that's the hard thing. Some of them, like, some cancel yeah. culture. Uh-huh. Everyone's talking about cancel culture. In some cases, I'm like, that person should be canceled. Yeah, right. no, like, absolutely. Like, Weinstein, right. good sure, with absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Good with, and jail. And yeah. Jail, yeah. 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 No, jail and, is and, the ultimate cancel, right? Well, right. right. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem mm-hmm. is that— is that any tool that can be used for good can also be used for evil, mm-hmm. you know? And and Twitter, every time I think to myself, God, they should just burn Twitter to the ground, I think of all the wonderful Arab Spring, right? Mm-hmm. All the wonderful things that came out of That's Twitter. That's so funny. Sometimes. I was going to say, speaking right. of Elizabeth yeah. Warren, yeah. the yeah. video that went viral. Right. Yeah. Right. No, there, there's so many good things about it. And you don't want to throw out the good things with the bad things. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is how do you create a system where you can cancel Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. but not cancel the— the person who just said something stupid one time, you know, and and I don't I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that at all. So, what's the worst thing from each of your perspectives that happens during this hive? This idea of a hive, because um, it's not unlike the purge, which is a more violent, it's yeah. an adult version yeah. of that yeah. idea, is that you get to get out your killer instincts. Right. Um, on one night of the year. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's a a very clear threat of manipulation happening behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and I think that's. A, the scariest part, and B, also potentially the most real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think probably, you know, the thing that people don't think about is sort of the consolidation that happens here and that, you know, you have people who run these companies. These are companies. Mm-hmm. These are for-profit corporations right. run by people who all look pretty much the same and have similar philosophies. Huh. Go figure. So funny. Right? What are the odds that, yeah. <laughs> hey, the invisible hand of the market just made it happen that okay. way, man. Um and I think that's the scariest thing that, you know, all right, I'll use names. What the hell? You know, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey could change all of this instantly. Right. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. they could flip yeah. a switch and make it different. Different might not be better, but mm-hmm. they could do that. Mm-hmm. And that's really weird to have that much power and influence consolidated. You're speaking of the person who in, says that all I know, the time. I know, I know. <laughs> I was really looking forward to this, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that that to me is the scariest thing. Yeah, unfireable it, you know, people who yeah. have yeah. no unfireable. They weren't who voted live in a for. bubble who they mix vo- with the same people. Yeah, they weren't who have voted unlimited for. Unlimited power. Yeah, and they are insulated one hundred percent from the consequences of the real world mm-hmm. by dint of their wealth. Right. And those are the people. It's like the opposite of John Rawls' game. Mm-hmm. It, you, that they are not the people who should be in charge. Right. And the problem is that we've built our own communities on mm-hmm. these platforms. Right. So years and years, decades for some of them, I have friends on these platforms in different spaces, and like the idea that I have to give them up, that I have to sacrifice that right. community that I've built, right. spent a long time building, mm-hmm. because the people in charge can't be bothered to to tweak the platforms just mm-hmm. a little bit to make them better is really frustrating. So getting back to the hype and then the and we're, next section, we're talking about what to do about it and what the impact on teens. When you think about the high or, or, or this, this social media, this blinks, you could get of all the current ones, what would it be comparable to? All of them together? Because there's an element of... Instagram, which is more performative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have Twitter, which is which a lot, a lot of teens are on. Right. There is, of course, Snapchat, mm-hmm. which I think teens prefer because they're hidden away a little bit more. And then Facebook, which is the behemoth of mm-hmm. all of it. Right. Yeah. What do you? How would you? I. I mean, again, I, I think it shares a lot of characteristics with Twitter, mm-hmm. just because. Twitter is very easy to replicate in prose. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very difficult to do Facebook 
uh, threads mm-hmm. in prose, and, and Instagram is pointless in prose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it bears the most resemblance to that. But it really, you know, you just ever all the categories and all the qualities you just listed are things that Blink contains. So it really is. It's it's an agglomeration. Which of, is what goes of on in China them. with their social mm-hmm. media. Yeah, with mm-hmm. uh, yeah, with with uh, Weibo and yeah. We throughout the book there are Blink threads that we've written, mm-hmm. um, and I always visualize them, and I think we wrote them mostly they, as Twitter. They feel That's like they feel like, like tweets. Mm-hmm. Know, Blink is a good name for a social media. That wasn't us. That was yeah. Jennifer and Tom oh, came it? up with that. Yeah, we yeah, liked, we that's liked actually that. good. I yeah. can see one being that. Yeah. Like it was, with the I mean, Q, of course, because yeah, uh-huh. you yeah. can't spell things correctly. Hello. <laughs> I thought it had an X. <laughs> you know, it could have had an X and stuff like that. The X is silent. It comes X is at the silent. beginning. Right, X exactly. Link, yeah. Links. Um, so when we get back, we're talking with Barry Liggett and Morgan Baden. They're the co-authors of The Hive. We're going to talk about what to do about it with teens because you're writing a book for teens, but teens are the ones being most affected by what's happening in social media uh, when we get back. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow. Support for this podcast comes from SmartWater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? SmartWater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, SmartWater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. We're here with Barry Liga and Morgan Baden, the co-authors of The Hive. It's a book uh, that was from an idea from Jennifer Beals and Tom Jacobson, which is going to be a movie, I think. It's uh, it's about mob justice, social media, and how one street comment can turn an anonymous person into a national celebrity, uh, although a nas- not a good celebrity, not the good kind of celebrity. Um, when you're thinking about, as you're doing this, this is going to be made into a movie. It was originally it's, it's a treatment for a movie. Right now, there is uh, an offer on the table for a TV series. Okay, a series, um, but there's so, never been more ability to do that than ever. Yeah, right. yeah. so, um, you know, we, we let Tom and Jennifer handle that stuff because, right. again, they're from Planet Hollywood, so they, right. they deal with that stuff. But right now, uh, you know, we're— TV looks pretty good. And you were meant to put meat on the bones of the mm-hmm. of the idea sure. behind right. it. Right. So when you're thinking about it for television, is that a different thing? What were what were the most important parts of make making it visual at this point? I mean, we I think we we tried to put you know, books and TV are very different and mm-hmm. I think but I think we tried to write it in such a way that it would be easy to adapt. You know, mm-hmm. into into TV or movie. Because, there are chase scenes. Yeah, there's chase, chase scenes. scenes. Mm-hmm. There's people yeah. running. There are chase scenes. There are, yes. yes, there are chase scenes. <laughs> yeah, because tech has been extraordinarily hard to put on. It, it, right. There well, hasn't been a it's very It's always just somebody pounding at a keyboard and then yeah. going, I'm in. And then, you know, right. like that's all uh, it is. <laughs> Black Mirror is, I think, the first example mm, yeah. of the sort of the dystopian, like being able to depict tech in this sort of malevolent way, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. every time. Um, but that is that actually is moved by story, actually, right. which right. is what, what they do. Um, so so the idea is to get a TV series like any of the others, and which is a great time right now mm-hmm. for books to, a lot of books have gone into series, oh, yeah. essentially. Oh, yeah. So one of the things, though, is 
that this is an area that is affecting teens quite a bit. Like the, the idea of what we do about a situation like the high, which doesn't seem that crazy that it would get to that mm-hmm. to that level where we do not just cancel people but actually physically hurt them uh, in some way. What do we do about that when we're when, as a society? So one of the things I love most about teens in general mm-hmm. is that as soon as a tech platform starts to be used by their moms and mm-hmm. their grandparents, they flee and, right. and go to something else. <laughs> right. So right now they're on TikTok, right? right? And there's amazing stuff there. Mm-hmm. What I worry is that at some point there won't be another platform for them to go to, and mm-hmm. then they'll sort of be stuck in a platform that keeps uh, getting worse and worse, and right. their privacy keeps being invaded and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a lot about education right now. Mm-hmm. We really feel like like I said earlier, we are at some kind of turning point soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we need legislation that helps regulate these platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, we need people to understand what they're signing on to um, when they join something new. How is their data being used? All of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, somebody asked us in an interview uh, last year when the book first came out, what is involved with being a good online citizen? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is the same thing as being a good citizen, period. And I think one of the the problems, again, Morgan talked about education, like, you know, I'm old enough that I was still taught civics mm-hmm. in school. And that sort of stuff isn't as emphasized as it right. once was. And and these, these ideas that, you know, privacy matters and you might not care now, but you will someday. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that, you know— just because somebody is is text on a screen doesn't mean that's not an actual person, although sometimes it's not an actual person. <laughs> but, you know, the, these are human beings and you should treat them as though you were sitting face to face with them. And I, I think a lot of it is is education. And, you know, teenagers, even though they, they hate us, <laughs> they look to us as a model for how to behave. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing a great job right no, now. No, not at all. Not, not at all. Not. I mean, I'm glad that our kids are too young to be on any of these platforms right now. And, you know, we're, we're sort of having our fingers crossed that, that this will be taken care of by the time they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to lead the way. And I think, you know, teenagers have very little power in terms of, of impacting how how things uh, change or don't change. It, it's up to us. We have to fix it for them. So when you're thinking about the concepts around these, a lot of it had to do with teen depression. It's never been higher, especially for young girls mm-hmm. um, in the uses of these things. At the same time, there are some people say, like, why shouldn't there be consequences for what you do? Talk about the idea of, of like, how do we alleviate the teen depression issue, which I think is quite, you know, has never been worse. Um, and most people link it with the uses of these medias. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit about, we'll talk about consequences in a second. Sure. I mean, it's tough. We have, um, we have nieces that are preteen and teen. And we see it with them. But I see it personally, too. Like, if I am on Instagram too long, if I'm scrolling too much— I definitely feel a shift in my mindset, and I have to back away. We both just deleted the Twitter apps from our phones. Oh, you did? Just because it got to be, especially like at night on the couch, scrolling, 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 and feeling worse for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like coronavirus, coronavirus. Yeah, coronavirus. exactly. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Trump, just corona, so you know. Corona, 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 yeah, corona. Right. That's yeah. exactly it. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. One of the things I did at Scholastic, um, I was there when when social media became a thing for corporations. Right. So I helped and these, launch. Scholastic, Scholastic makes books for lots of—names a couple of books. Sure. Uh, Harry Potter, right. The Hunger yeah. Games, Clifford right. the Big Red Dog. Right. Um, and so— That's the best one of all. Of it is, yeah, our mascot. So one of the things that I did was create um, social media guidelines for employees, but also for our authors and mm-hmm. our educators. And going back to what you said, Bear, it was a lot of common sense stuff that you don't think you need to spell out, but you do need to spell it out. So, for example, don't tweet anything that you wouldn't want your grandmother or the CEO reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like in a way, uh, you know, more and more I see a lot of 
on Instagram in particular, Instagram accounts that are doing really great work of showing a regular photo and then how the celebrity altered that photo. Ah. So you're seeing both sides and it it's sort of like what happened in the 90s with modeling mm-hmm. and then the sort of trend towards like no makeup models and no f- uh, photoshopping, no airbrushing campaigns mm-hmm. just to sort of show really what these people look like and mm-hmm. how it's all fake. Right. Um, and I, I really appreciate those kinds of accounts on Instagram. And I think more and more kids need to see that. Mm-hmm. I would love to see some kind of class in middle school, like a mandatory class about hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. And here's how... The that's platforms themselves are I working. I've not heard that, but that's a great uh, idea. Right? Um, right? And there are, I know there are consultants out there who um, do education workshops like for parents of, of kids. Right. Um, but I would love a countrywide, a global social media class. Although the teens would be like, oh, what is that adult now? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. sometimes in my kids' class, they're like, what is that adult now? I'm like, I know everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. go, I go on and talk. I said, there's nothing you know that I don't know right. yeah. better than you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'd love to see like, one of the famous social media influencers mm-hmm. lead the way in this, you mm-hmm. know? I think there's such an opportunity there for someone to really turn the tides on this. How do you look at that? I did people, you know, especially, you know, Instagram is a perfect example. The perf- like, everybody else is happier and better. Right. right. Um, and Facebook, everyone's just mean. Uh, same thing with Twitter. Yeah. Like, not Facebook's mean. There's all kinds of lies on it. And mm-hmm. then, sure, everybody's just mean. Yeah. I mean, one way I've, I've dealt with it is just by sort of paring back on what I do. Like I said, I, I got rid of Facebook. I've never been on Instagram. Um, and so it's basically just Twitter for me right now. Mm-hmm. And again, by deleting the app from my phone, I've cut down on how much I'm looking at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the idea of a class is great. Again, like, you know, there were certain things that I was taught as a kid. I mean, I hate, I, I know I sound like an old man saying when I was young, <laughs> but, you know, I was taught, okay, this is what nominally this country stands for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we try. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is how, as citizens, we can try to live up to that. And mm-hmm. these are your responsibilities. Like, we all know what our rights are, but what are, what are our responsibilities? Very good point. And, you know, I was taught that every right has a responsibility attached to it. And I think doing something like that for offline, but also, yeah, a, a class in how to how to interact in the digital realm would be really cool. And when you think about it, you just talk about consequences. That's yeah. what you're just talking about. So in the hive, there are very dire consequences. Yeah. But should there be consequences? Should there be if you tweet something that's—I have done that just once in my life. I really regret, and I yeah. feel bad about it. Yeah. And I apologize. You yeah, know, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't take the whole thing down because I right. wanted people to see my mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, talk about consequences because there is a level of consequences that should happen when teens or anybody else violates. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. But I, I think right now one of the problems is that the thing that social media is really extraordinarily bad at mm-hmm. is context. And nuance. And nuance. Yeah. And and. I can't tell you how many times I've seen something and gone, oh, my God, and I go and I rage tweet about it. And then and then I actually read the article and I go, oh, he wasn't really saying that. He was <laughs> saying this. And then right. I feel bad about it. Um, right. and, and also as someone who's been on the other side of it, yeah. working for a company, managing the social media accounts when some kind of comms crisis has happened mm-hmm. and seeing the influx of messages to the me. The instant response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And knowing they have it all wrong, but I can't explain on Twitter what they have wrong. There's just too much information. Yeah, yeah I had a friend who just got it, caught nobody in would that. see it. Mm-hmm. Right, nobody, right, you know, yeah. How can you guarantee Because they don't know. I was actually, a friend of mine was apologizing on uh, on uh, Twitter, and I was like, they don't understand the context. Yeah. There's yes. no context. Yeah. I know what you're doing because yeah. I know the whole story, right. yeah. but you're referring to something no one sees the reference yeah. right. to, yeah. which mm-hmm. was really interesting. At the same time, when you see things that you want to instantly react, which is these mediums are great, reaction is what your right. book is about, yes. and yeah. reaction 
is what um, rage is about. And I always say uh, engagement is enragement. Like that's the, <laughs> that's yeah. the way they're trying to do it. When you don't have the context, there is some pleasure, some sort of like lizard brain pleasure yes. in yeah. responding. Like this week, you may not have been on Twitter, but CPAC. I was yeah. like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. That, what a good plot twist. Right, right. There's a great <laughs> atavistic sense. Right. You know, uh, and especially, again, when everybody is angry at the thing you're angry at, if that's right. your particular Twitter bubble. Right. Um, that feels good. That feels, it? Because yeah. we, we're tribal creatures, you right. know? Well, and so it feels good. Let's yeah. finish up and talk about that. Yeah. Like, how— what do we do about that feeling good? Because your thing is about a mob, yeah. like mm-hmm. that, and, and in some cases mobs are good, in some cases they're bad. But right. talk about what that goes to, because again, that same thing with CPAC shows, like, oh, couldn't it happen to a nicer group? But at the same time, I'm like, they're sick, right? right. Like, terrible. Like, yeah, I literally had sick. to stop myself yeah. because I was like. They're sick. Kara, they're sick. I don't care if they're sick in the head. They're right. also sick, right. physically sick and in danger of dying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think social media enables us to lose our connection with one another really quickly mm-hmm. while at the same time, like, building this virtual connection. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, there's an empathy, a sympathy gap there yeah. that I think gets blown up on social. And so that's where that comes into play, where I think putting yourself into someone else's shoes just for a moment, sort of taking—it's the, the rule of anger, right? Stop count to 10, take a deep breath. And I feel like if there were some kind of um, delay button on Mm -hmm. these social platforms where Mm -hmm. you published your response, hit enter, but it didn't publish for 15 minutes and gave you some kind of window to go back and delete or edit, that could probably help in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think the idea that, you know, so many connections are virtual, the thing about, and those can be great, but also it's very easy to break a virtual connection. Mm -hmm. So if somebody that you're connected to virtually says something that, on first blush seems objectionable to you, it's very easy for you to just write that person off. Unfollow. And just right. unfollow, Block. break that connection, or fire back at them in a horrible way. I, I think of an example when when Morgan and I were first dating, mm-hmm. I made a joke on Facebook that her sister thought I meant very seriously oh. and got really angry at me and like right. came on lecturing me. And I'm like, it was a joke. Like it was a bad joke, but it was a right. joke. And because I barely knew her sister at that point, we just mm-hmm. knew each other through Morgan and, th- and through Facebook. But I think now if I made that same joke, she'd probably roll her eyes and be like, Barry, that's a really stupid, senseless joke. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't get angry. Mm-hmm. And um, It's about giving people the benefit of the doubt, too. Yeah. And the problem is, like you said, some people don't deserve some people, that. Some people right. have proven they don't deserve it. Yeah. And I, I don't know how... I don't know how you you program that into an algorithm. Right. I, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe you can. I don't actually think you can, but there are people smarter than me working on this. But I don't know how you you can make it so that, you know, a tweet comes by and, and, there's, a fla- and there's a flag on it that says, he probably didn't mean it that way. <laughs> you know? I, don't, I don't know, like, how, I don't know how you do tweet, that. They now have character. these time. They, they, but how awesome would that be? It would be awesome, yeah, actually. They, yeah. they just had a bad day. They, right, had, they right. had a donut and then exactly. they're coming the down. The coffee was decaf, you decaf, know, like something right. like that. That would be interesting. But yeah. right now— for example, on um, there was the Joe Biden one that Trump people manipulated or people related yeah. to him, yeah. and then he retweeted it, and then his stupid social media guy did it. Yeah. And Twitter put a manipulated yeah. video yeah. on yeah. the thing, which was tiny at the bottom, right. so it was kind of interesting. Because there, is there a solution not to get to where this book gets to, which is mob rule becomes <laughs> Burn real? Burn it all down. <laughs> Burn it all down. No, but in all honesty, like— I think we need a government who understands mm-hmm. the tech behind this, mm-hmm. and right now most of them don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and also a government that's interested in governing in, well, the, in, in sure. the interests of the people as yeah. opposed to, 
you know, cactistocracy, yeah. but... All right, go ahead, sorry, go no, ahead. No, I was just going to say the technology moves so fast and these platforms change so quickly that it feels like you're constantly trying to catch up to right. what the problem was last year. All right, you have two minutes. <laughs> I want you to come up with the happy version of this. What do we do when people make a mistake on social What is the happy book that doesn't end up a mob? Someone oh, wow. does something, a shitty tweet. Yeah. What? Or blink. I would, I would say their mother calls them uh-huh. <laughs> and says, look, sweetie, people are very upset at what you said. I want you to think about this. What's going on? Are you feeling okay? Do you need me to come over? Do you need a hug? So and a mother computer. Say, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say a licensed professional. <laughs> so is there some kind of flag that goes off somewhere and, a, um, you know, a professional who deals with adolescents or a professional who deals with people grieving or something like that reaches out and says, is this what you meant? Let's have a discussion. Coffee on me. Right. right. Yeah, and I, I think an important thing is to always leave the agency and the choice with the person who did it in the first place. Because right. if somebody wants to be a dick, you know, they should have the freedom to be a dick. But Should I, they? But— <laughs> Well, you know, Should they? It depends on how we're defining a dick here. And like, again, Harvey Weinstein. Although I feel be- bad that he's in quarantine. Yeah. In any case. Um, it, it, but the concept is like, I always think about it, you know, if since you guys write about these things, is in a fictional way, is it's a Star Trek version of life or a Star Star Wars version. Right, uh-huh. right. Star are we Trek at war is, or are we at peace? Yeah. Right. Star, yeah. Star Wars is just dark. Even when mm-hmm. they win, you're like, boy, did you sacrifice everything well, for when that? when I was a kid, like at the end of the first movie, they blow up the Death Star, and I'm like, great. And then the second movie, they're on the run again. And I'm like, right. wait a minute, they <laughs> right. won they're in the always last on movie. The run. They're always on even the run. The, even the recent one, yeah, you're like, you know, things run. are going to go to hell. Yeah. But Star Trek, of course, is the positive Right. Spin. There's no money. There's no hatred. There's no racism. Everybody gets along. And they encounter yeah. things, and then they change everybody's right. mind. Right. Like, there's no... Sad conflict at yeah. the end, which yeah. is the kind of thing. So, if you had to choose which of the futures are going to happen, with your your book suggests a Star Wars future. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm I'm a pessimist. <laughs> I'm not. I have, I'm not, very, I have right. very little very little faith in in human beings. I'm an optimist right. at heart, but the last few years have turned me. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> read the Hive and feel bad. Um, um, <laughs> Thank you, Barry and Morgan, for coming on the show. And thank you for Jennifer Beals uh, for putting me in touch with them. And I think it's critically important we talk more about the things teens are are being affected by um, as we move forward. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Barry and Morgan, where can people find you online, each of you? They can find out about the book at... Not on the, Twitter. Thehivebook.com. Yeah, you'll be back, and, by the way. No, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> He's on Twitter. It's Twitter, uh, Barry Liga, just okay. all one word. All right, but yeah. you're off. You deleted the app. I deleted the, the app. app, but I can still look at it oh, okay. on my computer. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. But you can find me, MorganBaden.com or MorganBaden on all platforms and BarryLiga.com. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and The Hive is available for sale and possibly coming to a Netflix near you. (laughs) Netflix makes everything. It'll be in there. We won't be able to find it. If you like this episode, we really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rave. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.